welcome to Full Release with Samantha B. Hopefully you'll experience one by the end of this. For once in a long time, there's a smidgen of news to feel good about. We're poised to get our first black woman on the Supreme Court. The weather's getting nicer. And Donald Trump hasn't been reinstalled as the president yet, despite his best efforts. On the other hand, of course, we are uncomfortably close to World War III breaking out, so it's kind of a mixed bag. But don't worry. As long as we continue to exist, this podcast will too. And I promise nothing you hear today will make you feel any more anxious than you already are. That's a Sam B. guarantee. I'm joined here by my producers, Svea Baron-Reinstein and Adam Howard. Okay, podcast gals. On today's show, we have the hilarious Righteous Gemstone star, Edie Patterson. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Now, okay, we all have had long and complicated relationships with religion. My youthful lusting for Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, has been well documented. And both of you, coincidentally, are the children of clergymen. What What is one of the more memorable or bizarre experiences that you have had in a house of worship? Svea's <laughs> already chuckling. Well... I do love that it's both of us, because I feel like, what are the chances? I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of funny. Unfortunately, I will. I feel like I will always win this game. And I'm not even sure you guys know this, but uh, my dad is a rabbi. Mm-hmm. And when I was in high school, he started a new congregation in our living room. And I don't really feel like you've reckoned with religion until it's woken you up, which it did many a Saturday <laughs> oh. of mine in high school. Wow. <laughs> Really? <laughs> yep. In your living room. Well, it wasn't a living wow. room until he retired a okay. couple years ago. And then it re-became a living room. But it was kind of... Wow. <laughs> living room was on hiatus for more than a decade. <laughs> That's really intense. How many people would come and, and gather in your home? Uh, it totally depended on the high holidays. There would be like upwards of 100, which is <gasps> crazy. <laughs> wow. Was your house large? I mean, your, that area must have been large. It was, a, yeah. it was a big room. Oh, my God. Okay. Where Did were you, you when all this was happening? Yeah, what's happening Sometimes with you? There. Where are you? You know, uh-huh. if you're a PK, you can't really just disappear all the time, as I'm sure you know, Adam. Right. That's true. You're just passing hors d'oeuvres? <laughs> That's what I imagine. <laughs> uh, we call it kiddish. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. Why, Adam, did you have to, did you have services in your home? (laughs) No, no, that's, that's funny. No, but so my dad is a a Baptist minister. So things get pretty crunk uh, (laughs) at the black church. (laughs) So there's like actually a couple things. It's kind of a tie. It's very ironic that we're recording this after the infamous Oscars slap, because there was one incident where I saw a guy get punched (gasps) out in church, which was pretty crazy and scary as a child. But the the other one, which is a little bit less disturbing and more fun, was that we were watching this uh, woman conducting a, a service, like a like a child's choir, and she was getting a little too worked up, and I guess she got like moved by the spirit, and she passed out like <laughs> mid conducting, and she out. fell onto the children, <laughs> like forward onto the children. <laughs> And I just, I mean, I was a little kid when it happened and I just could not stop laughing. Like, because people falling down is the funniest thing ever, but an adult falling on top of kids was like, oh my God. They really do love physical comedy. Yeah. Wow. How were the children? 
Should it be? How were the that? children? <laughs> I think they were just more stunned. I mean, it wasn't like a hard fall. She kind of like slowly toppled onto them. But okay. um, the song was over. I came to <laughs> I mean, they're Satan worshipers now. But <laughs> wow, I do. I would like to hear the story of the person who got punched out at church. <laughs> what was the offense for oh, getting punched I, out so at church? So apparently he was like a guy. I mean, it's kind of sad. I think he might have been like off his meds or something. Okay. And so he was acting a little bit off and I think an usher came up to sort of calm him down and that just set him off even more and he and he whacked the guy okay. and like the police Not came hilarious it anymore. was pretty okay. wild oh yeah. my goodness chaos <laughs> okay well do you both watch the righteous gemstones do you have a key oh, yeah. do you, you watch it, love it for yeah I mean I love it but I mean you're watching it with different like with a different perspective <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've never, ever wanted to do what my father does. No. <laughs> right. So that's like, the, that's the rub is I'm, I've never been like, oh, man, I want to take the throne. <laughs> like, but I do feel like as a child, everyone tells you that you will. Yes. Oh, like really? Fawning congregants. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Really? And well, in the black church, they like, call oh. you the first family. So they put you, Ooh. they call you that and they, you're expected to sit in the front. And you're very okay. much on display. I really hated it. Right. Um, wow. I always said if I, my dad wasn't a minister, I might have been religious because <laughs> it just, it made me so resentful of it, being okay. in that position and being watched all the time. So, yeah. I, w- I have so many questions that will <laughs> cause both of you to cry or something. So I'm, I'm like, so what, at what point did you pull away? But these are all very personal questions that we yeah. don't have to get into. Yeah. Wow. That's so, well, then, Okay. <laughs> Well, you have a lot more, you have a deeper investment in the Righteous Gemstones than I do, but I love it and have loved it since the beginning and have been telling people about it for years and now people are watching it for years, for a year, for a year. You were there FYC I was there. Campaign. I was there. I was there right at the beginning, right at the beginning <laughs> till now. I love it so much and I'm so excited to talk to Edie. Okay. We are going to take a quick break, but we have Edie Patterson coming up, so stay with us. Joining us today is the fearlessly funny Edie Patterson. Edie is a veteran improviser who's given several scene-stealing performances on TV shows like Vice Principals and films like Knives Out. But her most recent role is the absolutely so raunchy and ridiculous Judy Gemstone on the hit HBO series The Righteous Gemstones has helped turn her into a household name. I cannot wait to talk to her because I honestly normally avoid watching comedies, but I always make an exception in her case. Welcome to the show, Edie Patterson. Oh my God. Oh my God. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I have to tell you, I'm very well, thank you. But I'm so, I was so excited to talk to you. I wanted to talk to you so badly. So thank you for saying yes. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm so excited to do it. Are you in discussion rooms for next season of Righteous Gemstones? Yeah, we're in Zooms that get like, and I know you know how this is. It gets yeah. very like unpredictable sometimes. And then yeah. when you think that you would have had like a little chunk of the afternoon, suddenly it's like, okay, we're going to hop back on here at 
blank and you're like totally we just have to break the story it's just like no big deal we'll just like break this one element off of the story and we'll just like fix it and you're like oh that sometimes that takes one hour and sometimes also it takes 13 hours or four days yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh my god okay well thank you so much i gotta tell you i am such a huge such a huge intense fan of yours oh my god you're incredible and i will drench you with compliments and then i'll ask you questions so i hope it doesn't make you feel uncomfortable but i'm willing to take the chance it doesn't make me feel uncomfortable at all because um i'm an enormous fan of yours so anything you say to me i'm just gonna drink up like it's delicious soup (laughs) i honestly from the moment that i mean season one of righteous gemstones my husband and i we have been telling everybody who will talk to us that you are just giving the most perfect perform. You're just like my favorite female performer out there wowie, right now. Wowie, wowie. You, oh my God, from the moment, from the moment the Righteous Gemstone started, I was like, this is, this is my person. I think I have found a kindred soul in comedy. I just, you give your whole body to it. Everything is so, you, you're, performance is so three-dimensional i fucking love you and i'm just anyway that's it that's it that's, my it. God. that's it that's it it's just Thank really you. my love is intense all right and you know what i also read that you have a 17 year old cat named veruca and i also love that is she's that now 18 she's yep. 18 we oh. had violet too but violet got really sick and oh. had diabetes so now oh. we just have one of the bad girls from willie okay oh my yep. god how adorable She's the best. So good. And you've been shooting a movie and you've been in the peg. You've been in Winnipeg? Is Yo, that also? I was in the peg. <laughs> oh, in the actual dead of winter? The actual dead of mm. winter in a time where even the mm. locals were saying, it's not usually like this. Really? Yes. That's a lot. That's saying a tremendous amount. That's what I thought because randomly i know Mm -hmm. a couple of people who lived there or grew up there and they were like whoa they sort of go like whoa when you tell them you're gonna go spend some time there Mm -hmm. so for locals to say like this year was um pretty nuts this is particularly thank you for telling me because i felt crazy but even when it's not particularly bad it's so cold in the winter there that you feel like sometimes you're and i've been there in the winter only once but for like maybe two weeks you feel like your Uh nose is closing like you feel like your nostrils stick together and freeze yep everything in your body screams that this is not natural totally it's a full body scream (laughs) full body scream and you feel like and everybody like the warnings about going outside are like listen this is will kill you you might die if you stay outside for more than 10 minutes try to not yeah but then you talk to people who they're like yeah we went ahead and went down to the festival and you're like wait which is it where do i how do i we bought my husband and i bought these coats we bought these parkas they're canadian coats that like are for the arctic we Mm -hmm. bought them so long ago because we grew up in canada and they have goose canada goose when they originally started they were like these arctic parkas and they come Uh with survival gear in them like they come with like secret pockets with flints and like name tags for when they find your dead body in the snow. And that's how I feel <laughs> when I'm in Winnipeg in the winter. They're like, this is for your ID so that they can identify you when they find no. you in the spring. Yeah. 
yeah, so that's nice. Anyways, okay, I don't want to talk about Winnipeg anymore. God bless it. I love it. God bless okay, it. God bless it. Were you a Jesus girl growing up? It's just so, feels so, re- your character is so, you're living your character. Were you a Jesus girl? Did you grow up in a church like that? Well, not in a church like that. I was for okay. sure a Jesus girl. You were. But I grew up in a church that was way, way smaller. Okay. And Episcopal. So okay. not, uh, mm-hmm. not sort of, I have to tell you, <laughs> as we started talking, there's a guy outside edging by the window. That's fantastic. Um, We're going to like, we live with those natural sounds. We're like, okay. someone's edging. We're not going to stop. Just let me know if it gets too weird. I'm going to go to another room. I'm at my mom's. We're going to let him live his life and do his job. Okay, great. I hope he's having a blast out there. Right. Okay. <laughs> but the, the church I went to was Episcopal, and it, okay. so it was not a mega church by any means. Okay. And not uh, what would be considered evangelical. Like, I okay. think the Gemstones Church would be considered evangelical. Oh, yeah. So, yes, we went to church every Sunday. Yes, I was in youth group. Yes, uh-huh. we were very involved. I was an acolyte. Okay. Which, you know, lights the candles and helps yes. the minister pass out the host and all those things. Mm-hmm. But it was, we didn't have a band. We didn't have lights okay. and shows. And it was very small. Okay. I went to yeah. a Catholic church and we had priests with guitars. Like we had like hippie priests wow. with guitars. <laughs> we had retreats. Did you have retreats? Mm, mm. Every now and then we'd have a lock-in. <laughs> a lock-in? What's that? They lock the doors. They're like, we're going to talk about, we're talking about scripture. We're going to work it out. Honestly, what it was, was every now and then it would be like the teenagers go spend the night oh, at the church. Okay. And basically what it equaled was like eating pizza and playing like very, very insane games of like hide and go seek in the dark. <laughs> oh, oh maybe someone so would kiss someone, cute. but okay. the church was pretty small. So it was sort of like nobody wanted to kiss their brother. You know what I mean? Oh, sure. Now I understand. You have described your character, Judy Gemstone, and if anybody is listening right now and you haven't watched The Righteous Gemstones, may I advise you, before you listen any further, to drop everything and go and watch both seasons. (laughs) You have described Judy as a walking id, and I think that's perfect. (laughs) I see that. (laughs) Truly see that in your performance. How liberating is that? The greatest. The greatest. The greatest. Because, yeah, there's no um, there's no screen door yeah. between, like, the feeling and the feeling coming out. I think she, that Judy, like, attempts to have a screen door, but it's just yes. going to leak out because it's sort of, um, it's very, like, animal. Right. Um, <laughs> and I think that, uh, I don't know, it's, it's super liberating. It's incredibly fun. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not a thing that we usually get to see um, women just let it fucking rip like that. And I really, oh. really love everything about it. You're, yeah, like it's so raw. And every time we, every was my husband and I were such huge fans. Like every time we watch an episode, we're like, I need more Judy. I need more Judy. <laughs> we need more Judy in season two. So please, as you're talking to, let me just, I'll just get on to the next Zoom with your writing room and I'll just okay, be like, great. listen, can we just have a more Judy, please? Yeah. The, the, I'll, you know what? I'll send you in to do that because it, yeah. it probably will not come off great if I do it. You shouldn't do it. I'll do it. I'll just <laughs> break in and let okay. everybody know. 
Okay. Um, but you're in the writing room, so you're breaking all these stories, and you're breaking Judy's stories partially as well, right? I'm attempting to help, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, Danny's got sort of overarching ideas uh-huh. for all of it, and um, they're usually really good <laughs> ideas. Right. And so I feel like the thing that I uh, bring to it is I can then go, okay, cool, that's the idea. So here's here's mm-hmm. some sauce, and here's how to make it complicated. And right, right, yeah. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. um, there you know there are elements for sure that I I sort of brought up that mm-hmm. uh, stay in the mix for sure, like big sort of uh, character character defining things. Like I just I remember early on I thought it would be very very interesting if she hadn't really had a real boyfriend before BJ. And right. so then that, that led to the stuff with the professor and the, mm-hmm. um, oh, yeah. you know, me writing that monologue and things like that. So yeah, I, you know, I de- <laughs> I'm definitely in the mix. <laughs> do you, do you, I mean, I guess you get asked this all the time, but I feel like when you're filming, do you do like, cause you're, you have a script, you have a very solid scripts to work with, but as you're filming, do you have time to like layer in even not ad-libbing, but like do like, you just unleash for some takes? Yeah, thank God. Yeah, because it's, to me, that's when it's really going to start to jump and mm-hmm. become really, really interesting and electrified. And the good thing is, with all three directors that we have in the mix, mostly we have Jody Hill and David Gordon Green. Yeah. And then Danny McBride will do usually one episode a season. Mm-hmm. And all three of them are really, really good about being open to the moment and being open to uh, magical things arising in the moment that right. maybe didn't exist 20 seconds before. Right. And my favorite, favorite thing on earth is for a director to tell me like, okay, we've got it. Right. So let's do another one and see right. what happens. <laughs> yeah. It seems like you're all having so much fun. Like you can, like, I think when you watch the show, you feel a sense of like what the set must feel like. And I know it's like hard and days are long and it's like not, it's not really easy, but you can feel a sense of like that everybody's firing on all cylinders as one. I feel yeah. that. I, I think you're right. I feel it too. It does feel really, really fun. And you can you can feel it all the time. But you can really feel it like in those sort of big church lunch scenes where we're all yeah. there. And mm-hmm. you can really feel it in, I don't know, you can feel it all yeah. the time. But like though in those, like in uh, all the scenes, actually, you'll find things happen that you go like, oh, okay, that wasn't there, but that mm-hmm. sure is true now. That whole runabout... Um, for people who have seen the first season, there's a whole runabout that Judy and BJ got married in Disneyland. I mean, Disney World and that Prince Eric, the Little Mermaid's <laughs> boyfriend, married them. None of that Prince Eric stuff was there when we started the day. <laughs> but it's a very, it is a very, very fun vibe. And um, luckily, everyone's just interested in the truth of their, the truth right. of their character and knowing like, oh, yeah, that is true. They did do that. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Judy's signature looks are incredible, too. Like, how yes. much do you, I mean, I, your whole look is incredible. How much do I you agree. work with the design team to, like, col- to collaborate, I guess? Because You know, mostly I try to just 
leave that to Sarah Trost, who I think is a genius. I came in to my very first fitting with her. I knew her mm-hmm. from because she also worked on Vice Principals. Uh-huh. And um, I came in with these sort of thoughts about kind of what I thought Judy was going to dress like. Mm-hmm. And everything she had was just like pretty different from what I thought. Oh. But it was one of those almost improv things of like, oh, right. Oh, right. This is real. This is true. And then that helped me realize what she is because there, she had a certain amount of like, almost conservative built in that I never saw mm-hmm. in the mix with like Judy's church clothes. Right. And then I don't know that all informed like my anger and my frustration. And like, I just think she's so incredibly smart. I never, ever go like, what about if we this? Cause I know okay. I'm always going to be surprised when I go in, if she's got a bunch of things in the mix yeah, for one look, absolutely. I'll say like, man, I'm leaning toward this. Are you? Yeah. And if she is too, then we'll really kind of push for something. But if she has any other thoughts of like, well, I kind of thought this because of this, uh-huh. she's always right. <laughs> Judy is wearing pencil skirts, just like pencil skirts and a silk black. <laughs> yeah. Like it's kind of, it's weirdly, sty- I mean, it's like kind of stylish, but also kind yeah. of not as. <laughs> yes. It's the weirdest because you're like, well, on if you, t- if you take it all apart, it's, it's a very sensible, it's the perfect outfit. I couldn't wear it. Like I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't wear it. But it's perfect for Judy. And there's nothing really wrong with it. It's just silky. Totally. Like, but there's all these things happening mm-hmm. with it where you're like, oh, it's conservative, but also it's kind of sexy and wait. Yes. Oh, wait. She wait, she's wearing it with that necklace and oh god this is all so intentional and um i don't know it's just the way it all comes together it it always exactly works for the way that i think judy is confident and sometimes like i would look at those clothes on the rack as me edie and go oh yeah i know like judy's gonna rock that shit she does rock it she looks great she looks great in outfits that i could never imagine wearing yes (laughs) and they are sexy and business-like and kind of conservative with a lot of spangle and sateen like with a lot of shimmer yes a lot of (laughs) shimmer she's very into shimmer and yeah yeah, if if you get into like her church clothes or her show Mm -hmm. clothes yes a lot of shimmer a lot of shimmer A lot of like almost Oscar clothes. <laughs> yes. How much do you like when you put on the clothes, you know, are you <laughs> are you Edie until you put on the clothes or do you put on the clothes and then you're like, okay, I'm still Edie. And then I go on to set and then you're Judy or you're like, you just put them on and you're like, I know exactly what I'm doing. Let's go. Let's go film. You know what does it for me is um, the clothes are a step for sure. But the thing that is the weirdest, like magic like almost wipe of my brain and into like come on baby let's channel is um to get my curly hair on and then I go okay I'm not me anymore (laughs) that curly hair is fantastic so good that's what does it so that mixed with the clothes but for whatever reason I think because it completely changes my face and then I go like Okay, yeah, I'm not I'm not me anymore. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. I'm not yeah, yeah, that makes sense. 
I know you wrote a lot of that song, Misbehaving, which is mm-hmm. so fun. And we've, you know, we've written a, a fair share of original songs. Yeah. It's so fun. It's such a unique skill. How do you, like, do you tap into a different part of your brain for something like that? I love that process. It's like so fun putting a song I do together. Too. I do too. You know, I think it is a different part of, part of the brain. I think it's a different part of my brain for sure. It seems like with writing songs, Mm-hmm. it's diff- a little different than improvising songs where with improvising songs, I like to just like wipe everything out of my head that I can okay, and just let the music tell me what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. But with writing a song, I find that I like to, I like to f- almost feel the vibe of it first. Right. Like with misbehaving, I remember Danny said something, he said the first two lines and he was mm-hmm. like, I think it's something like, um, Mama told me not to, I did it anyway. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, oh, it's like that. And then I could sort <laughs> okay. of hear the thing in my head of like the vibe of that uh-huh. and then could write, you know, a verse and a chorus and um, right. the, sing it into the phone. I could hear the tune of it. And same with that stupid song I sing at BJ's Baptism, Butterflies. Oh, right. um, That one, I don't know why, but I kept hearing in my head, um, you know, that thing that karen carpenter does where she's like she'll be singing and then it's almost kind of deep <laughs> like <laughs> that's right um but i kept hearing that and i was like oh what if i it's not gonna sound like that but what if i just sort of play with that idea and then so it was just something like i knew i had the idea in my head of like that a caterpillar changes into something different and that's what baptism is yeah so i knew i wanted that sort of weird metaphor but then it was just thinking about Karen Carpenter and like sort of playing with sounds that mm. sort of led me to that. It's yeah. so good. The Baptist. Well, how do you guys come at stuff? Like, how do you write songs? We haven't done it in a little while, actually, but it's much more like sitting down and kind of finding the story first uh-huh. and then kind of going line by line. It's much more like a stitching a little tapestry. It's a yeah. different, a different kind of process but it's Uh like a lot of heads coming together and going what about this what about this Mm -hmm. but it feels like almost like a really intricate little like a little game of tetris in a way yeah do you know what i mean like a little "Mm, this fits here i can Mm -hmm. make this work this is i don't know it's really fun it's so weird and then when you make it into a song you're like oh my god i couldn't do that for a living totally it's the weirdest magic yeah yeah (laughs) it's like yeah when i sang the stuff we had of misbehaving into Danny's voice memo on his Uh phone and we sent it to Joey Stevens Mm -hmm. who does the music and he sent it back as a song with other other verses in it it's sort of like whoa (laughs) it's oh my god yeah it's very magic and to like just sing a raw melody into my phone and send it to Joey and him send it back with a weird instrument on it yeah it's just awesome you grew up in Texas right At what point in your life did you say, I'm going full force into comedy? Like, how did you know? When did you know? It's weirdly very clear for me. Mm -hmm. I grew up in a place where uh, it's not a thing people do here. Right. And we're far enough from any big city. I would say we're about 40 minutes from Houston. Okay. So it wasn't a thing that I knew how to do. Uh-huh. But I knew I always liked doing impressions of my teachers for my parents. I liked making people laugh. I liked um, yeah. doing skits. I liked 
making people film horror movies in the front yeah. yard. <laughs> right. But in seventh grade, we had a thing called class day, which was like mm -hmm. a, a talent show and you can do whatever at it. So me and three other girls did, uh, there was a station here that played like reruns of the dating game and reruns okay. of Brady Bunch and stuff in the afternoons. And so they would play like 1960s episodes of the dating game. And so we all kind of knew, weirdly, we knew the dating game and mm -hmm. thought it was hilarious. And so we decided we were going to do the dating game and we wrote this like little mini play. Yeah. One girl was the, the girl who was picking out the dates. Mm -hmm. Me and two other girls were the guys she couldn't see. And one was a jock. One was a, uh, I don't know, I think like a businessman. Oh. And I was, <laughs> I was a nerd and it was just like a old school, like old fashioned, like revenge of the nerds nerd with a pocket protector and like sure. tape on my glasses and like, <laughs> you know, one of my dad's shirts anyway, but we all wrote our own answers to her questions and then did it ourselves. And, uh, I had never, ever experienced something that I came up with and that I was doing mm -hmm. the audience, like losing their minds and oh. laughing. And this audience full of kids from the whole school, like dying. And I just remember, I was like, I, it was like, I could have passed out. I was numb. And uh -huh. I just was so full of the feeling of like, Oh, this, I'm going to do this for my job. I have to make this happen. Wow. I don't know how, but I'm going to do this for my job. <laughs> this will be my job. Yeah, because I didn't even understand like, oh, these things I like to do. There's a way to figure out to make that your job. Right. Did you watch comedy? Did you watch comedies on TV? Mm -hmm. Did you watch like sitcoms and stuff? For sure. I was obsessed with SNL. I was obsessed with uh -huh. Cheers. I was obsessed with um, mm -hmm. The Cosby Show. I was uh, obsessed with all the like reruns of stuff that were yeah. from before I was weirdly obsessed with um sort of regional professional wrestling which I thought was okay. hilarious and awesome uh-huh um but yeah I really liked comedy and I loved Carol Burnett and I loved Tracy Ullman oh yeah so I knew I was inspired by them but I didn't know like oh I I'm gonna do what they do Right. Like, how did you, I Until guess. Until class day. Yeah. Like, how did you find a path, I guess? Because that's, that's a great story. Like, that memory of when everything shifted in your brain. But how do you, I guess, how do you get from that point when you're 12 years old? Yeah. To, like, performing, to actually I just performing? Kept, I just kept trying to do things that were available. I did um, every play I could at school. Uh -huh. And um, needed to go to college where I got the most um, scholarships and money to go to college. So I went to a state school uh -huh. in Texas and got a BFA in acting from this Great. state school. And yeah, just kind of every step just kind of kept going like, I, I mean, I don't know what I'm fucking supposed to do. I'll just keep, I'll just oh keep doing God. it. Yeah. And then I started improvising mm -hmm. and knew at a certain point, oh, I need to move to one of the cities Right. where you can try to make money. Right. But yeah, just kept doing things. I, I didn't know anyone who mm -hmm. could help me to do it. My mom's an elementary school teacher. My mm -hmm. dad was a plumber. Mm -hmm. And they they were both uh, amazingly and uh, astoundingly just like absolutely supportive of me saying like, 
I don't know how to do this, but this is what I'm going to do. Well, I'm sure they were like, our daughter is so funny. Like, we don't know either, but okay. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's, I feel like that's such a huge blessing. I mean, you hear yeah. about so many people from places like where I'm from that if they're not familiar with how to do it and don't know how to help, they, they just start hammering their kids with like yes. the idea of a backup plan or the idea of a totally. So it's just sort of hilarious and shocking that they're like, well, we don't know how you'll do it either, but you'll be go fine for it. Yeah. Like I feel like in some ways, cause I totally, I, I get it. It's like, if you give yourself a backup plan, you'll take it. So you actually can't, of course. you can't plan your life intelligently. If you really want to make it in comedy, you have to just go for broke. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And <laughs> like, then I think improv changed everything for me when yeah. I started improvising. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And changed because, it, you know, I think it's a, I think it's a life philosophy and mm -hmm. helped me let go of a lot of, uh, um, I don't know, worry. I was so worried as a kid about everything right. from like, you know, regular little kid things like, I don't know if this is regular, maybe this is existential and overly mm -hmm. sensitive, but I used to weirdly worry about my parents dying when I was a kid and mm -hmm. would worry, just worry about everything. Right. And, um, was very, very, very shy when I was young. I liked mm -hmm. performing for my family, but mm -hmm. I was incredibly shy to like be with people and be around people. And right. yeah, I feel like improv changed my DNA a bit. Well, do you think it's because, because I feel like if I was analyzing from the outside, I would go, okay, is it like because the scariest thing in the world is improv? <laughs> And it's like Probably. cognitive therapy or just like, well, you're standing with nothing in your head in front of all these people. Like that's Probably. terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's, it also, I think for me, I, I think people have different approaches of what works for them. Mm -hmm. And some people do really well when they're nervous. But for me, I have to get into an absolute state of um, fuck it for anything to be transcendent. Okay. And so that's sort of, it sort of helped me with my entire life of like, okay, cool. I'm going to, I'm going to bring all I have to this and we're going to see what happens. And I can't, right. I can't control the outcome. And then things do go well. If you're focused, if you're not right. focused on like, I have to do it right. I have to try. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Trying is the, is the hardest. The more you want a job, the less likely you are to get it. You can't ever, yes. you can't ever want anything. No, you can't <laughs> want terrible. anything. Come on, baby. <laughs> can't plan for or want any outcome in comedy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Cause it will be different than you thought. And yes. if you let it be, it's better. Yes. You have to only satisfy yourself and hope that other people will go along for the ride. It's yeah. so true and so cruel. It's so such an awful like <laughs> thing to tell young comedians. You're like, well, don't have a plan B. Just Stop say it to everything. Stop caring. <laughs> don't want any job and only do what you like. And eventually someone's going to like what you like because there's like something for everybody out there. Somebody's going to fucking love your thing. <laughs> you just have to try to find that person. Oh, my God. It's the most esoteric, like hard to I understand know. advice. Impossible. Impossible. <laughs> I do. What do you tell? Like when I'm sure because you must have young comedians being like, because you sometimes still perform at the ground. Do you still 
do improv sometimes you're just like fuck it. yeah i i love doing it if i'm in la yeah i love doing thursday night which is all improv um and i do things when i can with another group there called impro theater and we improvise full-length plays okay with costumes and sets and everything it's wow. just not, nothing's written it's all made up but um what yeah what were you saying what do, what do oh, i well, tell like anyone? what do you tell people because young people must come up to you all the time and they're like how do I follow your exact trajectory? And you're like, there's no trajectory. We're all right. in it. Like, right. But it's hard to hear that, like, I'm sure. Do you have something you tell people? I mean, I try to say that. I try to say, like, you know, the thing that the thing that worked for me is going to feel weird for you. Right. Like, you mm-hmm. got to, if you do like to improvise, I do think getting with a uh, Comedy theater is a good, um, at least, intro into uh, having a smaller world in the world, whether right. you're in New York or LA or wherever you are. I do think it's important if improv and comedy is part of your thing or sketch to have like that group that can be yeah. inside that bigger world. But yeah, I don't know which place you should go to. Yeah. They're all awesome. Like, check yeah. them all out, see which one works for you. Like, there, there's nothing wrong with any of them. Like they're all great. They all yeah. great people. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, if 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 I can talk to someone and they have like, I don't know. I feel like the only advice I have is I, you almost have to come to it on your own. And my only advice is that thing we were talking about a minute ago of like right. you have to get to a place of um, fuck it. Yeah. And like, and I, but I don't know how you tell I someone just, to do that. I know. It's, it's such, such a vibe. It's such a, like, just a, a frequency. Vibe. I did sketch comedy for a long time with an amazing group called the Atomic Fireballs. That's what yeah. we did. And we just put on shows. I know, girl. Uh oh. <laughs> and we just put on shows like all the time. We just mm-hmm. would put on shows like for no money, just for beer tickets. Mm-hmm. And it was so do it yourself and like, mm-hmm. Once you get to the point where you would do that for free for the rest of your life and you fully expect to, that's when you might get a job. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I will do this for free until I'm 80. Totally. So maybe that's enough. Yeah. It's because it is a frequency thing. It's almost mm-hmm. like, oh, it's such a head fuck though. But it is like wanting what you have mm-hmm. and like finding the joy in that thing. So if the thing you're looking forward to every week is your atomic fireballs show. Yeah. Like, yeah. To bring your full fucking joy to it and like, yeah. l- let it all just let it rip on that stage. Cause none of us know when we're going to die. And then, yeah, the things that come from it are going to be awesome, but you can't write down what they're going to be. Yeah. You don't know. <laughs> you have no idea. How did you, how, how did you, end up because you're such I mean Danny McBride is incredible how did you yeah. end up how did you connect how did you first meet each other or like make that connection well so I had never met Danny until I auditioned for um vice principals which okay. was the show I did with them before gemstones mm-hmm. and uh yeah I went to the audition I didn't know that uh, he and Jody Hill were going to be at the audition. It was okay. one of those where, like, that was left off of the information right. for whatever reason. <laughs> right. I don't know if I've ever in my life had that ever happen. 
where you kind of don't know it's a producer session, you know? Right. Yeah. But it's a gift because it's always so much better when they're in the room. Totally. Oh my God. So much better. Incredible. Give me 30 people in the room instead of one. Dear God. One camera and a casting. Oh God. Shoot me. Um, but yeah, so he, he was there at that and, um, the role was, I thought a really, really funny one and, um, had a ton of, uh, a ton of potential to be something really interesting. And Mm -hmm. I improvised a little bit in the audition and, uh, that made him laugh. And yeah, it was just from that audition. And then when we, when we started shooting, I think the first day we shot, uh, we were doing a thing where he's walking up to a bus and he kind of talks to a few of us who are playing teachers there. And mm-hmm. we had done it a few times and had gotten it. And I just asked him, cause I didn't know whether they improvised on the set or not. And I, okay. you know, that's always such an yeah, kind of confusing thing and you don't even know if it's okay to ask. And mm-hmm. so I just said, will you tell us if you ever want us to throw something different at you or if you want to play with something else? Cause the camera was on him uh-huh. and, um, he said something like, the, this is not exactly it, but he said something like, yeah, this time say whatever you want. And like fireworks went off in my soul. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and from, yeah, from kind of then on, it was like very game on. And we had a very like immediate fun, like comedy chemistry, brother, sister vibe. I, I get such, such a deep kick out of him. And oh, um, yeah. I love making him laugh and I, uh, mm-hmm. I love making him uncomfortable and, um, <laughs> I love shocking him. Yeah. I, but anyway, we met on that and just had such a, such a good time that, uh, we kept working together. We wrote a movie after that show and, uh, okay. yeah, I would like, oh, I would God. like to keep doing things with him forever. I really love working with him. I think he's the smartest golly. He's the, fucking smartest i don't know if people even understand how bright he is i i feel like i do yeah i think you do i think in our family we appreciate we can see like we see the work and we see like i don't know i the eastbound and down like is just an important show in our in our home (laughs) and like weirdly we don't watch a lot of comedy in our household because like it's our job like Uh we're like it's our job but there are some things that are very important to us. Eastbound and Down is one of those. Mm-hmm. Righteous Gemstones is one of those. Like we are comedy people. Yep. So what? It, like, do you ever watch? Do you ever watch comedy? You watch horror movies. I love horror movies too. I watch horror movies and I watch um, documentaries. Yeah. Um, those weirdly, those are what I watch uh, usually. Yeah. But yeah, then I'll find. Um, I'm trying to think what the recent uh, every so often there's a yeah there's something recently I ripped through Hmm. a comedy thing you know oh I did I did I'm ripping through um what we do in the shadows the Uh, TV show yes I really 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 like it I got to start it because I could not love that movie more I think it's so special. And mm-hmm. so, so awesome. Um, I know the show is a different thing, but yeah, I hear nothing but that it's incredible. But very, very good. And like so uncommon. Like normally in our house, we're like, should we watch the documentary about Boeing, about the airplanes that went down? <laughs> like, we're like, 
which terrible documentary should we watch? Or is there something? Should we rewatch Chernobyl? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like what the fuck is wrong with us? Oh my God. <laughs> I will say though, my favorite documentaries are the ones with characters because I do love oh, mm-hmm. a serious documentary that can have me scream laughing. Like, <laughs> like, um, I don't know. Did you see like Mommy Dead and Dearest? It's so messed no. up. I'm going to write it down. Oh God, please write it down. Oh my God. It's so deeply upsetting. It's so deeply messed up. But (laughs) every 15 seconds is a character that you're like, um, I need to pause this (gasps) because what's happening in their kitchen? (laughs) Oh my God. Okay, great. I wrote it down because I trust you because I feel like, I feel like there's a shared sensibility. What's your favorite horror movie? Do you Mm. have a favorite? My favorite, my favorite of all time is The Shining. (gasps) Um, But man, my favorites lately are I love. Well, I probably because I love The Shining. I love Mm -hmm. psychological stuff, but I love The Babadook. I love Hereditary. I love like upsetting horror movies. Yes, where they like tie in like, oh God, this is happening because they opened a portal through grief or exhaustion. (laughs) I'm like. That's so scary to me. <laughs> Let's watch it. Yeah. The Shining is the this there's like only a few movies in the world that if it's just like if I have the television and I turn it on and it is on, I will immediately sit down for three hours and watch yep. the entire thing to the end. Doesn't matter what time, yep. day or night. Yep. Always. Same. It's just so awesome. It's also it's the movie so that I know if it if it's on, like if you can mm-hmm. hear that like um low uh um, oh. I want to say music. I guess it is music mm-hmm. when they're driving through the things at the very beginning yes. of it. Mm-hmm. Um, if that sound is in my house, like my husband will immediately like be in a back room with the door closed. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear it right now. I just channeled it in my brain. I'm like, I hear it exactly. Yes. And then every I'm trying to show my kids too when we watch horror movies because they like them too. Awesome. I'm like, when you see that driving shot like through the mountains and they do it for a car commercial, I'm like, they still stolen. That's the shining. Yeah. I'm like, they're trying to, they're channeling the yeah. shining. Don't yeah. be fooled. Okay. Tell me this. So like maybe three years ago, I can't, I have a hard mm-hmm. time tracking what's years because of COVID, but yeah. maybe three years ago with that group I was telling you about where we improvised plays, yeah. we co-directed this um, improvised horror play okay at the broad stage in la mm-hmm. they've got this smaller space weirdly called the ed but with a y oh okay anyway we were doing improvised horror there and i had the cast watching uh all these upsetting movies because we were yeah. kind of trying to lean toward psychological horror mm-hmm. and so one of the first ones we had them watch was the shining there were two people in the cast who had not mm-hmm. seen the shining adults and they were very, very nonplussed. Like, uh, one of them thought it was cheesy. What? Uh, um, what? The other one was like, I don't know. It's just like not scary. And I was like, get the f- uh, out of get here. Out. Get out. You're not on this team. Yeah. And I was just what? like, is this because they've seen too many things that rip off The Shining? Like, I, I couldn't get my head around it. I'm like, there's no world in which it isn't scary and awesome. So interesting. I wonder if it's like, it's so, because it's so trippy, and you kind of have to watch it in a quiet place yes. because it's so menacing yeah. over time. Yeah. Maybe it's just 
seeing it with other people around, you're so conscious of yourself or like you're, yeah. you can't get out of yourself and into the Maybe. thing, into the lonely, into the isolation. Yes, the, the like mania and isolation and like yes. madness creeping. But like, do your kids think it's scary? They have never watched that one from beginning to end, okay. not for lack of trying. Okay. Believe me, I try, but they have, <laughs> mm, but they're so, they're like, I was 16 and 13 and 11. Okay. So they are more into like Midsummer, which was scary. Like Got they it. found Midsummer scary, Got but it. it was so heightened and visual. It's like colorful and it's an hour right. and a half. Right. And that's their attention span. Uh -huh. They're like, what's going on? Yes. The Shining is such a slow burn. Yep. That they. My son has started to wear a shining T-shirt, and I'm so oh, proud of him. Okay, I did. I did buy it, and he was he rejected it at first, but now he's wearing it. So I think he's Great. like ready. Great, he's like ready to sit for the whole thing and then get him into it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but I think it's that it's like you have to feel that like darkness around you. Yes, and like the encroaching fear of your partner who's gone off the fucking rails. I mean, and you're just together yes oh nah nah now i gotta watch it again <laughs> Me too. oh my god i have to say do, okay so wait i also read is this true that you love well done steak i think that's funny yeah <laughs> that's great you love it i love well done steak i love it um that's great yeah that is not a cool opinion it's okay you know what you've made it cool <laughs> i don't know you made it cool i don't you made know it cool i think i've me. invited hate <laughs> you may <laughs> you made it cool to me. Um, I love that you love horror movies so much. I love them. I think that I they're, uh, I don't know. I think they're relaxing. I think they're like very cozy. Do you like, uh, do you like the Alien franchise? I love it. Alien is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's yeah. my favorite movie. I love it. One of, I got a giant, it's so hard to explain why, but I got a, a poster of the of alien that is so large it can hold it's like one entire room in my basement and people come to it's so shocking because nothing else in the room looks like there should be it doesn't fit at all it doesn't make any sense there's no context for it there's just a lady's house and then a giant space egg uh, <laughs> I've like, got a, uh, I have a pillow in my guest room mm -hmm. that is Ripley holding the cat. <gasps> oh my God. Yeah, it's really good. Oh my God. Okay. You know what? Kindred spirits. I have to tell you, this has been such a pleasurable conversation. I have to say that I've wanted to talk to you for the longest time. And so thank you for talking to me. Thank you. This has been great. I want to see, I want to see like a Judy Jumpstone show. I'm sorry. I don't mean to jinx it. I just <laughs> do. I just really do. Like, a, or like a movie, like a prequel. Ooh, that would like be a, pretty cool. Like two, do you know what yes. I mean? Oh boy. A follow doc. Oh, a follow doc would be oh, great. Oh dude, like, yeah. I'll, Let me just. <laughs> Oh, yeah. What a, what a thrill for me to talk to you. Thank you so Same much. Same here, Sam. I think you're so awesome. I think you have 
an incredible gift and um, have fun with the writing room Thank and like you. creating season three. I'm so glad for season three. God damn it. Can you film it next week? I need it <laughs> by May 1st. I'll let him know. Once mind. again, that might be a good thing okay. if you say instead of me. <laughs> I'll say it. Great. I'll say it. I'll just chime in. Yes. Thank you again. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks so much. Let's take a quick break right here. Oh my God. Oh, I'm so happy you finally met. I'm so happy. It's weird that we've never met before, but I don't sense that, um, that we are go out much <laughs> what, <do you> mean? <laughs> what does that mean well you know what i mean like you have to do like like a lot of we don't i don't know i don't i'm not a schmoozer and Sam, i you're cool enough like, to hang out with her outside of working hours i am but you know the coolest people stay home because they're like i don't <laughs> party i can't do that that's silly i would just want to work cool. <laughs> and then i'm uh, too tired so okay. Edie on the Righteous Gemstones, as you know, plays um, sort of a stereotypical middle child. She's very uh-huh. sort of angst-ridden and bitter and feels that she's overlooked. I'm a middle child myself, so I can relate. Okay. Um, and we wanted to play a little game uh, talking about celebrities. And we okay. wanted to see if you could guess, based on sort of their histories, whether or not they're mm. a middle child and why. Oh. So, and of mm. course, you know, not every middle child falls into the stereotype, but a lot do. But I feel like most okay. do. Yeah, most. I definitely do. <laughs> um, so oh, okay. Mark Zuckerberg, uh, for instance, where would you think he would oh, fall? Oh, Mark Zuckerberg. Oh, I was going to say, I would think of him as an only child. Mm. So I'm an only <laughs> child and I'm really similar to him in a lot of ways. <laughs> and people who want to conquer the world, clearly. <laughs> You know what? I don't think about mid- I only think about only child syndrome because I am sure. one and I'm so self-absorbed. <laughs> I can only think about my own <laughs> living condition. <laughs> um, what is Mark? Is he an, is he a middle child? He is actually. He is yeah. okay. okay. I actually don't think he fits the mold. Okay, tell me what is. I feel like middle children are known for being like consensus builders. Yeah. yeah, I thought middle children were like the people in the who are yeah who are like bridge builders between right. the the other two factions in their family. <laughs> Could be. Wait, Adam, is that you? Are you a bridge no, builder in no, your family? No, not no, not at all. I'm definitely the black sheep. But I will say destroyer. that uh, yeah, he does seem like an only child. I feel like that okay. feels like it's what it should be. But okay, okay, all okay. right. What about Hillary Clinton? Oh, Hillary Clinton. I don't get a middle child vibe from her, <laughs> but I also don't get only. Well, those aren't the only two options. That, no, that's it. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know how she grew up at all. Like, I know very little about her. She is an oldest child, which She's I feel like makes child. sense when you think about well, it. Well, that makes sense. Okay, that makes a lot She's of like sense. She's like the country's <laughs> oldest yes. sister. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah, she's got two younger brothers. Two younger brothers. All I right. know. I knew nothing about that. Um, wow. What about- I, don't, I don't truly know nothing about birth order. I truly know nothing <laughs> That's about okay. You know a lot about a lot of other things. Not it's really. It's decisive. It but okay. sets up your whole life. <laughs> okay. Um, so Madonna, what's your take on her? Oh, I would say baby of the family. Am I wrong? No, she's a middle child. She's a middle child. I'm yeah. getting it all wrong. <laughs> I guess that's because we have so carefully crafted uh, our own children. We've curated our children's lives so that they don't feel those pressures. 
no. I've made I've made that up. I'm sure they're all suffering greatly under the yoke of their birth order. I just am not aware of it. I'll find out when they write a book about me in the future. Okay. Yes. Uh, all right. Okay. What about MLK? Uh, um, baby. I'm making. I'm just guessing because I have no idea. Clearly, baby, no. Baby he's another family. middle child. Another. They're all middle so children. He's a good I'm consensus gonna, builder, so that works yeah. for him. Yeah, like only children, or sorry, last born children, can navigate everything. So that's why I put him in the baby category. I, he's not a baby. He <laughs> wasn't a baby. You heard it here first. Sam B thinks MLK is a baby. <laughs> he's a little baby. Um, <laughs> No, I just mean. <laughs> okay. Oh God, I'm so bad. Yeah, at this. All right. Move okay. Moving on. Uh, George Clooney. Yeah, I think he's a middle child. <laughs> I'm just gonna guess middle for everyone. He's a baby. George Clooney's God a baby. Damn it. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, he's okay. got one older sister. Jesus Christ. Okay. All right. All right. We'll pee out okay. of uh, your misery. Last but not least, Michael Jordan. Well, he's clearly a middle child. Correct. Right? Oh, I got it. But a complicated middle child. Yeah. He Very has three older siblings and one younger. Oh. So there's just like a lot in there. He's a deep, <laughs> and deep he's middle. somewhat in the middle. Deep, deep middle. Yeah. <laughs> deep bench. Yeah. He's like even more of a middle child. He's like the most middle. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And it shows, believe me, as someone who knows. Is that knows, the first thing you learned about him? Yep, that's the first thing I've ever known. He's a basketball player. <laughs> <laughs> but didn't he try baseball at one point? Yes, he did. Yes. Classic, he tries too hard. Classic like middle, middle child. child. Yep. Classic middle child. <laughs> Building a consensus between the sports leagues. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, well, I hope you liked my podcast. If you did, let me know in the comments. If you didn't, you know, consider hate listening in the future. Seriously, though, please rate, review, and follow for release and Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends. Spread the word about this podcast. In the meantime, keep sending us your comments and questions to full release at sambi.com. They might even be featured in one of our special bonus episodes exclusively available on Stitcher Premium. Don't forget to tune in to Full Frontal with Samantha Beat Thursdays at 10 p.m. on TBS, and we'll see you next Tuesday for another full release. This podcast is brought to you by Earwolf and TBS and was produced by Adam Howard and Sophia Baron Reinstein with IT and technical production provided by High Tech. It was edited by Julia Fott and hosted by me, Samantha B. This is not your first rodeo. This is literally, literally not my first rodeo.